0: Grandpa Gene was the most saintly person I have ever really known very well. Um, He was a farmer. He had six kids, 17 grandkids. Um, He just died a couple of years ago and was an amazing individual with a huge heart who worked very, very hard to make it through life. And to make it through hard times as a farmer and to keep his family in the faith. Um, and I'm always just impressed and moved uh, when I think back on my grandpa Gene. My son Eugene is his namesake. Um, but his first name is something, and it's something I always forgot, um, but I always found it interesting. His first name is actually Titus. And his um, parents, who were first-generation Americans, um, I think wanted to give him a more American name like Eugene. Um, But they also wanted to have a biblical name. So they gave him sort of the stately biblical name that he never used for anything. um, But that I always thought would be a cool name until one of my uncles pointed out that if you have the middle name Titus, your name sounds like a disease. Joshua Titus, Benjamin Titus just doesn't work. Anyway, that's the geocache for today, even though it's not really a geocache, but we're gonna talk about Titus, so that's what came to mind. Anyway, geocaching scripture, here we are. Geocaching is this rarefied sport hobby of um, these little treasures that you find on hikes that you hunt down with a GPS, and usually it's a can or a canister of some kind that has something in it that sort of gives you a little more dimension to your hike your walk that you may be familiar with. Uh, usually not anything real important, but it is is the fun is in the finding. And that to me is this metaphor of, of what it means to look at Scripture again as an adult. Um, I grew up um, born on Saturday in church on Sunday, always around Scripture. And as an adult, as I've come to study it more, uh, begin to see that it's depth that's there and find these little geocaches of uh, Cultural situation and history and language and that kind of thing. Um, and so I call it geocaching scripture, and that's what we're going to do. My apologies for missing a week in here. Um, I was kind of on a, a summer hiatus, and I'm glad to be back at it. Um, Everybody's got to have their little breaks, even if you're on quarantine and it's just a staycation. I want to read to you out of Titus, and Titus is um, right there at the end of the New Testament. It's one of Paul's really short works, especially for Paul, um, the kind of thing he could have just like trotted off while he was on a camel ride somewhere, um, because you know, as we know, he is he writes at length and very intricately, but Titus is, is very simple. Um, and I want to read to you this verse. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, so that they may be sound in the faith, And we'll pay no attention to Jewish myths or merely human commands of those who reject the truth." And this is a really interesting context. So you take um, a letter like Timothy, and that's Paul's letter to Timothy who was his son in the faith. It's a very warm kind letter. Timothy, take something for your stomach, say hi to your mom for me, that kind of thing. Titus is much more business Ty, I am sending you out into a very intense hostile territory and here's your briefing before you make the big drop into the jungle Um, and he's talking to him about what it means to minister in these house churches they've started in Crete. Now Crete was kind of a rough place. It's an island off the coast of Greece and at the time it was populated by mostly mercenary soldiers who had worked for various wars that were going on. This is the ancient times where it was a brutal world. There was war going on constantly. And um, so mercenary soldiers had sold their allegiances to the highest bidder. And then it all ended up sort of here at Crete as a place to retire. So Crete became a place, you know, you can still hear people say, oh, you're a Cretan, you know, you're lowbrow, you're a con artist, you're sneaky. You're rude, whatever. Um, and in, in Greece at the time, the, uh, the negative word for liar or con artist was kretizo, which meant Cretan. Um, so it's interesting that Paul takes up this letter, um, and, and one little uh, verse here that I wanted to focus on. Um, he says, One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Now, we, we're we not going to take Paul in sacred scripture uh, making a um, uh, an ethnocentric remark like that. That's not what he's doing. First of all, it's sarcastic. He is meaning it to um, just draw attention to the fact that Titus is going into a very difficult situation like, you know, wow, all, all Scotsmen are crazy. Scotsmen like my family. All Scotsmen are crazy, you know. That's the real thing. You know, it's, it's that kind of um, sarcasm. And the statement itself uh, is from a philosopher named Epimenides and has become a logic paradox to where um, he says all Cretans are liars. Well, he's a Cretan. So is that true or not? Um, and it's become uh, it's sometimes called the Epimenides paradox and other things like that. Um, so it's, it's kind of like somebody coming up to you and saying, nothing I ever say is true. Well, is that true? I don't know. It's the Epimenides Paradox. All Cretans are liars. Why would you trust a Cretan who says that? Um, and it's this contrast here where he says that and he says this statement is true. Well, Paul contrasts truth and lies all the way through Titus. At the beginning, he introduces God as the God who does not lie. Because the Cretans at the time um, were believers in these Greco-Roman gods. They thought Zeus was from Crete and they loved to tell stories about how Zeus was underhanded, slippery, Uh, mean and double-crossing and Paul represents God as not lying, reliable, trustworthy. Um, So this is an interesting thing where Paul uses this thing that sounds like a total insult and what he's actually doing is is using hyperbole and using a sarcastic remark to say Titus the gravity here is upside down. This is a very difficult place to go. But you can do it in the strength and power of the spirit. Um, so it's interesting to look at it now in a, in a time where people... I think of this movie that I saw back in the early 90s. Um, it was kind of a family favorite called Eric the Viking. If you ever get the chance to see it, don't. Um, it's actually really awful. Um, but there is uh, one scene in it where the, um, they, they go to... Uh, and it's Vikings, so they go to Valhalla the, the, uh, afterlife for Vikings, and they meet the gods, and the gods are these children who are distracted, playing dice and cards, and annoyed with the world, and just making choices that are just terrible, just for fun, they're just kids, they're just brats. And that seems to be a somewhat modern view of, of a god that is an absentee, absentee father, if there at all, um, that he, or it, or whatever, doesn't really care, and doesn't really help, and isn't really reliable, and can't really be trusted. And so the living and active scripture still speaks to our times, and we say that God is trustworthy, that you can trust the process because he's in charge of it, you can trust that he will bless you, and find you, and help you, even if you were in hostile territory, because he is the God who does not lie. And that's kind of what I want, is on my mind. I've been reading Titus a lot, so I'll probably do a few of these from Titus. Um, and I'm also a father of three kids, and you can hear him in the background, I'm sure. So, enjoy. That's life in quarantine. Good to be back with you. Pax Humana. Cheers.